Welcome, everyone, to this church podcast. So glad to be back with you today. Once again. Once again, we're back. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Aaron. You know, this is probably an off-mic conversation, but uh, how do you feel about Matthew as opposed to Matt? Has this never come up on the podcast before? I don't think so. Oh, well, Matthew is my family name, is how I think about it, and Matt is what everyone else calls me. (laughs) So, Family um, name. Which is only true as of the year uh, 2001. Uh, I was Matthew for my entire childhood to everyone. Really? And then when we moved to the States, I honestly can't remember kind of the details of the decision, but I introduced myself to, like, people at school as Matt. Was and it your decision? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And then I was Matt ever since. What was weird is like in times where my parents are around peers or when I was working with my dad at Jessup for a season, he would then call me Matt to other people, like kind of honoring like the my my dynamic with them. Right. But then that sounded really weird to hear him call me Matt. Right. Like that name coming out of his mouth. Right. So, yeah. So then when it was just the two of you, back to Matthew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's he not co- like when you're in trouble. It's not like I've no, done something no, wrong, no, I'm no, Matthew no. again. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, that's just yeah, what my family calls me. Okay. But I mean, well, I, feel I like, like it. I, like I feel like uh, I'm, I'm sort of your family. So yeah. if you don't mind, Matthew. You can be brought in. It's very, it's very satisfying to say. I kind of think of the whole Curious Church podcast <laughs> listenership as family. So any of them can refer to me as You heard Matthew. that, everyone. Yeah. It's on tape. And if you didn't, you're not part of the family. Let's introduce our guest. Yeah, great. Uh, We have back on the podcast today our esteemed Dr. Reverend Kevin Adams. Reverend Doctor. Dr. Reverend. (laughs) Reverend (laughs) Doctor. I think it's Reverend Doctor, right? Kevin. Kevin, I just want to call you Matthew and say I'm so happy to be part of the family. I feel like I should break in a song. I'm part of Matthew's family. Did I mess up the doctor and the reverend? I do think it is uh, Reverend Doctor. Reverend Doctor. I, I would say that's the, that's how I've heard it the majority, the of, majority times. of the time. Okay, but we yeah. could. I mean, we could buck a trend, or we could start a new trend. Aaron, you're calling me Matthew. We could call <laughs> Kevin Doctor Reverend. <laughs> and you you can call me Schnookums. <laughs> we'll all have new names. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, yeah. Kevin. Thanks, Thanks guys. For joining us Great today. to be here. I had offers from CNN and Fox News both. But Always. I said, no, my heart and my soul are with the Curious Church Podcast say, people. Nope, the pay at Curious Church Podcast is <laughs> so much better. Uh, yeah, I did want to say, I, I meant to bring this up uh, in a recent episode, but this is kind of a little shout out to longtime listeners, because back in uh, the Sam Gutierrez co-host days, he would consistently berate me for my need for a haircut. Oh, yeah. Like, this came up on multiple episodes. So, And it's not like you ever were looking like a shaggy man. No, I'm not horribly shaggy, but he was usually right that I needed a haircut. Well, I just wanted to report in that not only do I get haircuts regularly, but I've just recently started using just a little bit of product. Oh, really? Oh, we've crossed a line. (laughs) Which, I mean, there's, there's a back and forth in my life about product. But recently, I just realized, you know, I look at myself in the mirror in the morning. And I think that, that looks good. That's presentable think, to the world. You think, Matthew, you look good. <laughs> Matthew, you look good. Your hair is in place. Right. 
But then by the time I got then you got married. (laughs) Then I got married. Started losing my hair. (laughs) No, and then I would get home and I would look at the mirror. I would say, "Oh, that's not what I thought I looked like all day." I just Lest really, anyone think you're staring at mirrors all day. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. Matt is there's a mirror in the morning and a mirror when he gets home. <laughs> there's no mirrors in between. Well, there's occasionally, but then you kind of fix it in the moment and then you think you're good, you yeah. know. But um I just realized I think my hair just needs a little bit of help. To just just a light hold so that when I get home I'm like, "Oh, yeah, that's what I thought I would look like." <laughs> so you're maintaining your look yeah, all day long. Maintain my look. When you get a haircut, isn't the stylist like uh after you're done, don't they offer to put some product in? Perfect, perfect, Aaron, because this is what triggered it. Perfect, Aaron, I like that. Uh, let's let's I, isolate let's, that. Let's perfect, that. schnookums. Thank <laughs> you for that. No, that that is exactly actually what happened recently. Usually, I say no, don't worry about it because I don't yeah. put anything in my hair. So why are you going to put something in my hair that I'm going to have to wash out? Yeah. But just recently, uh, the hairdresser just went ahead and did it. Didn't ask oh. permission. Just was like, I'm going to do this. Bold. It's like okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of I like that look. That, I, I like nice. when someone so, knows better, you know, yeah. better than you do about your helpful. own self. And admittedly, like, it would have been helpful, you know, to encounter this, I don't know, three years ago. <laughs> I wouldn't have been looking bedraggled by the end of the day. But here we are. I just wanted to give listeners an update because I know most of you probably try to picture, picture me. So picture me now perfectly quaffed as I come, come to you. I like this for you, Matt. It's it, a good look. It is a good Thanks. look. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Do you, um, how does, how does the family feel about this? Rachel's okay with it? Yeah, positive. Yeah, everyone's positive. Mm-hmm. Oliver with this most recent haircut. There was one time I got a haircut and then Oliver would just, like, I held, I was holding him and he kind of just cried, like lean back. Oh, yeah. Look at me <laughs> and laugh. And he just started laughing. <laughs> it's like, what? What is this? It was very offensive. Well, it's you a know, beginning. It's a beginning, but Matt. He didn't do this with this. This you guy. do have the happiest baby I've ever encountered. He's pretty. Though. He's pretty happy. He's a yeah. little sick right now, oh. and he's still like smiling and oh, dancing okay. through the house. It's oh. ridiculous. That's great. Anyway, just wanted to give that a little update. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm. I like this for you. I'm proud of you. I, I had an experience years ago when I got a when I moved from like a transitioned from a barber to a stylist, like. Uh, I think maybe my wife convinced me that that was the way to go. Just to up the haircut game a little bit, right? Yeah. Because when you're a kid, you go to the $10, you know, you go, I, I go to do. the, you go to Bob, you know, down yep. the street. My guy's name was Bob. Dad gets his haircut, <laughs> then I'm next, and then he puts the little booster in, and I'm next, yeah. and I, I get my haircut. It's probably the same haircut, and then it's just done, and you don't think about it. But then, at some point, you want a stylist. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I look forward to the day. I've been doing this. Now, this stylist... She finished the haircut, Liz. She finished the haircut and said, should I do your eyebrows next? And I said, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, I want to keep my eyebrows. She's like, no, 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 I'll just trim them. I'm like, trim my eyebrows? It sounded crazy. So I declined that time. That time. Then next time I I thought she might ask again. So I was feeling brave and I accepted. And... It changed changed my eyebrow game for the better, so I got to give it up to Liz. <laughs> Shout out for Liz. This needs to be, I need to be. Uh, wow. I need to keep doing this. Actually, I, I could not have hoped for a better follow up to my sharing about my hair <laughs> hair situation. I didn't put any product in my eyebrows, but now there isn't. Uh, they're not like poking out. You know, so now I can do it at home now with my razor. Oh, but that's so great, Ke- Kevin. Do you have any tip. any beauty I, tips I, for us? I, <laughs> You both look so just handsome and debonair. I just was going to start with that. So I'm like, 
Whoever you're going to, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Dear, it's so funny. Shall we dive into a segment? Yeah, let's do it. This segment, I think, we agreed upon to be, I like it. Yep. Is that true? That's true. We've all brought a thing that we like. Um, who would like to go first? Should we Rochambeau for it? Should we let our guests go first? I think we should let our guests go first. Okay. We can yeah, All right. I will go first. This may be a little serious, but you know, when uh, as soon as you said I like it, I thought um, many of our listeners know I have Parkinson's disease, as my neurologist likes to say. It's early and it's mild, and I'm in amazing shape. Dot dot dot. Good for a guy who has Parkinson's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's not what I wanted him to say at the end. But uh, I recently went through a clinical drug trial, and listeners are familiar with this through COVID vaccines and other things. But I have to tell you, the care you get, the care I got, the opportunity to do it, um, it was really a good thing. I feel like my life was richer. I lost a few days along the way in terms of, you know, you just, you go there, you spend a big part of the day there, you come back, maybe you spend two days there. Uh, You sit in a tunnel while they take pictures of different parts of your uh, brain. But it was an amazing, amazing thing, and I'm really grateful for it. People ask, uh, well, what do they know about the trial? Did it, mm. Was it successful? That's going to take at least another year. Oh, really? But uh, I have to say drug trials. I don't want to be part of one, but as long as you have a need, I like it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I, my heart goes out to folks who do, I was thinking kind of in a COVID context, right? Yeah, Especially right. as the like uh, kids' vaccine is kind of getting approved and mm-hmm. being rolled out. And I feel like grateful for those people who sort of offer them. It's like it's just a right. sacrifice to it kind of, right? Yeah, risk, I kind of risk. Yeah. Okay. Do you have, um, like, it's just you going to these appointments with the doctor. Like, right. are, you, are you running into other people as a part of this trial? Or? No, for a long time, I was uh, patient number one of UCSF. And oh. this, there's 240 patients around the country. You are number one. And they one, spread them it. out. And I am number one, <laughs> which is uh, usually, I'm used to that because of alphabetical. Yeah, last name sure. Adams, of yeah, course. Right. But uh, you don't necessarily want to be number one in the drug trial. Yeah. Mm. Um, it just means you need to wait. So, but no, it's just, especially during COVID, they don't want anybody else in the room. So yeah, yeah, it's just me and the questions they ask, they, they like to keep them confidential the answers, you know, medical regulations and all that. Right. Yeah. So, do you, are you okay sharing like what's next for you treatment wise? Oh, sure. Um, so I, uh, my doc at UCSF, who I feel very fortunate to have, uh, really believes in incremental treatments. Like I went to a neurologist when I was first di- who first diagnosed me and he wanted to put me on the standard dose of the standard drug right away. That was mm. two plus years ago. And the stock is, let's just take this as you need it. And so I have a drug now that I've been using for about 10 days. I'm not sure it works. It works about half the time mm-hmm. and it takes about eight weeks to know if it's working or how it's working, that kind of thing. So I'm in process, I would say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a, like a symptom-regulating kind of drug? Right. Okay. The hope of this drug trial was that this could be a medicine that would actually reduce or slow the progression of Parkinson's, but uh, they have not found a drug like that yeah. yet. So this is uh, more of a symptoms kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I know it's sort of the deep end of the pool, yeah. but I have to say to all those people who are working on drug trials, who implement drug trials, who do the research and follow-up of drug trials, 
Shout out. Thumbs up. Yeah, I like you. It. I like it. We like <laughs> we you. Like you. Yeah, we all like that for sure. Okay, Matt, follow that. Well, I know. Yeah. I should have probably gone I, last. No, no, no. That's great. Oh, you know what? We can we can hold multitudes as a <laughs> that's podcast. Right. Big um, and small. Because I like hot sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I bought. Particularly Rachel and I at some point. This might have been during the pandemic, might have been slightly before, bought um one of those like five in one grill panini oh, press the good life. sort of griddle yeah. things. They're not insanely expensive, but the difference between a cold sandwich and a hot sandwich hmm. is even just, during the summer. I yeah I, I I guess like there's certain cold sandwiches that are better cold, of course. But if you're just sort of doing like a basic kind of meat and cheese or a cheese sandwich, I'm gonna say like you might not want to eat it scalding hot in the summer, but it's still gonna taste better when it's kind of gooier and like those flavors have melted right. together. So I just yeah love hot sandwiches. Throw it in the press. In fact, I think uh, peanut butter and jelly. I was just going to ask if you uh, had well. done that yet. Yeah, I was introduced sure. to that a year or two ago. It's yeah. it's magic. Yeah, it's very good, isn't it? Yeah, it really so, is. Yeah, hot hot sandwiches. Nice. I, I love them. I, I love them. No, <laughs> oh, that's no, a whole that's different just, segment. That's a whole different segment. We never introduced that one. When I was a kid, we had this. This was revolutionary at the time, but it was a similar concept to the panini press or like a waffle maker kind of thing, but it was shaped like you just put standard bread in there. Like as bread oh, yeah, size, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then it was like a cutout for triangles. Yes, I can picture this. You can, yeah. And I used to put bread in there, bread in there, and then like some pizza sauce and cheese and some pepperoni, Ooh. and put another bread on Ooh. top of it. It's a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, so I'd you can like try that. that with the uh, opening. You should try that. Too. Yeah. That's a good idea. Okay, Aaron, you follow up that. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> we dare you. Sandwiches. Okay, what something I've been into lately? This has been about the past year or so is crossword puzzles. Oh, yes. And not just any, but the infamous New York, New York Times. Times oh, yeah. So I have the little digital subscription on my phone. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. So every day, I, I don't do them every day, but every day I get a new crossword puzzle on my phone. Uh, I'm pretty good at the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, yeah. and as some listeners may know, they get progressively harder yeah. uh, during the week. And then Sunday is like a bigger one. But more accessible, actually. Like, like Saturday's a when, the hardest, right? I think Saturday's the hardest. Yeah. And, it, and Thursday often has a trick to uh. it. Um, maybe a rebus. Do you know what a rebus is? Rebus? Rebus? Uh, I feel it's like I've heard it, but I don't know what it is. When more than one letter can go in a square. Oh, wow. Oh, That's man. a different level. Yeah. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. So... But you watch out for those usually on Thursdays. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, so I'm having I'm having fun with my morning yogurt and coffee, doing my crossword puzzle at the table. Are you finishing the crossword puzzle before you get up, or are you just kind of giving a good stab at it? I give a good stab at it, like a good like ten minute stab. Okay. And then um, I'll come back to it later. Okay. Sometimes. Sometimes and- you you'll miss stuff, and then you'll come back and you'll be in a different mindset, and it'll click and and get filled in it's very satisfying yeah yes. a, so how often do you finish uh complete it um probably th- three days a week i would oh. say it's impressive it's good. i read i feel like um i read an article on the new york times so this is it was a self-serving article certainly about like how to get into crosswords oh yeah 
Um, There's a whole like different. You have to think a little. Yeah, you have, have to think a little way. differently. But yeah. one of its points, um, and I picked up a book of puzzles after this. Actually, was it was just like if you don't know the answer, look it up. And I was like, okay, if like one of the editors of the New York Times crosswords <laughs> is telling me that, I feel a real freedom because some of them, like if you just don't have the knowledge, right, you'll never know what it is. My like, least, no... fa- my least favorite clue is like this actor played this character in this right. movie. It's and it's like, well, I don't feel dumb for not knowing right this. i just it's just a trivia right exactly right yeah. so those i don't feel bad about looking up so are you um the new york times is the crosswords where you put a letter in and it gives you immediate feedback if it's correct or not you can turn that on if oh you feel, but you have not turned it I have on not turned that on oh way to go yeah yeah that's another level yeah. Yeah, it is i feel like we've really covered the gamut here we've sort of had the the highbrow puzzles from the New York Times. We've had mm-hmm. the scientific community weighing in with drug trials mm-hmm. and uh, the, the gastro, <laughs> the gastro. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The Let's gastro culinary them, community. I, I think in French they might be like croque monsieur. So we'll like <laughs> oh, yes. gold cheese. So we'll like go go with that. Yeah, the gastro, whatever the word is. I like it. Uh, Matt, will you lead us into today's curious conversation? For a Please. moment there, I thought Matthew. I was being invited to break into song. <laughs> Matthew, you lead us in a round of <laughs> row, row, row your boat. Uh, yeah, happily, we are at the fourth and final. We have almost covered everything you would ever need to think That's about right. yep. a pandemic and life in a pandemic and what comes next. So, And yeah. as promised, no answers, <laughs> no answers have been provided. No, so listeners, if well, if you're dropping into just this episode, you can go back, and our last three episodes have all been trying to think about, let's say that, not answer questions, but mm-hmm. think about this mm-hmm. big question of where do we go from here. And so we've talked about the challenges in one episode of the past year and a half, becoming two years eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about um, community and what that looks like, both what it's been like and what that looks like going forward. In our last episode, we talked with Libby Backfish about online worship and how to think about that, how we might think about that. Ended up being quite a, quite a bit of a community talk in that episode yeah, as, well. as well, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then today we wanted to talk about the topic of hope. Um, mm. Because what does, well, one question becomes, what does hope look like and what does it look like for us to hope? So maybe just to frame it is to acknowledge that I, I'll speak for myself, and I'm curious if you guys had the same experience. When the world shut down, <laughs> mm-hmm. as it did, mm-hmm. uh, I thought we got about two weeks, three weeks, a month max of kind of quarantine and having right. to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I thought it was going to go, but it was going to sweep through and move on sure. somewhere right. else. Right, And then everything would go back to normal. We all did, I think, because the timeline kept getting pushed back. Right. Like, oh, well, quarantine for a week and it's done. Right. Oh, now they're saying this. Now they're saying through the summer. And that just kept uh-huh. like, yeah. Yeah, and the summer for a long time, like June 2020, feels to me like it was often like held out. Like that was the point of hope. Like, we'll we just have to get then. to June. Yeah. And then, well, we all know where we're at. We're now recording in late 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like our hopes like have been confused and maybe even dashed <laughs> depending hmm. how hold, tightly we were holding onto those. And so it seemed like it was, it might be helpful for us to kind of explore and have some conversation about hope and what, like, and I thought we could kind of explore a whole host of things, both what, what have we learned maybe about hope itself through all this that we can kind of carry forward and maybe even some of the things that are making us hopeful. Kevin's I like it maybe helps tie in 
with this too, hmm. even some of the work right. that scientists are doing. But maybe I can just uh, start us, maybe we can start with the question of what have we learned maybe about hope in the midst of uncertainty, when maybe the things that we want to grasp onto as kind of sources of hope aren't so sure. I'm curious what you guys think. I, I do think we can start at a place of one thing I think that was unique is we had this common, we had a common lament, a common thing to lament. I mean, in some mm. way, like it, it affected literally, uh, you know, everybody on earth. So it certainly affected in terms of, uh, the church community, it affected all of us. So we all had kind of a similar, there was no, like, sometimes with lament, you can feel like, especially if we use a prayer, like, at Granite Springs, which which will, will have, like, a specific uh, bent to it. Like, we can name, Matt, as our prayer writer, does this really well, I think, where he can name specific things that we can, that are lamentable. And you can feel sort of detached from that, mm-hmm. um, because that may be not your exact experience. And that's fine. Like, that's, we offer specificity for, um, for as, as it's, it's a good narration, right? And good prayer. But with the pandemic, like it affects you, like you, you, whether it's your isolation, whether it's your own sickness, whether it's the sickness of someone, uh, you love, like there, whether it's like the, um, the toll on mental health, I think, um, everyone has, has, will have come away from this whenever that might be, mm-hmm. if ever, um, being affected by, this pandemic so yeah that's just one i thought an observation worth making so it's like we can hope if we're hoping we all are kind of hoping for the same thing some version of the same thing Mm. yeah one of the things i was thinking about is like the in some sense the thing that we hope for is impossible yeah in terms of a return to normal like there Mm. is no there will be no more normal um there might be like, we might live life similarly to how we lived before. I'm optimistic that one day that'll be the case. Uh, but like, we will, like our culture and society will never be able to ignore like the stamp of like this season, mm-hmm. right? Like every, like maybe I think especially of children and just like for some of them, like a couple years out of school or even children who have just dropped off the rolls of school, like there's whole, like there's going to be a lost like education, lost set of kids even really. Right. Um, and so it's like, okay, one of the questions that it's forced me to ask is like, okay, what, what am I hoping in? (laughs) Like, and it's weird, it's weird, but I think one of the things that it's revealed for me is like, oh, I tend to hope in like some form of normalcy in general, like not just in a pandemic time. Like that's kind of like, like I can be optimistic because the days will kind of keep going. It seems like a modest hope, right? Like normalcy. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You're hoping Um, for, uh. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's also, that's also placing hope like in a particular kind of worrying machine of culture and like capitalism and all of these things. Um, Hmm. Like it's not like my normalcy is predicated so much on systems and on other people. Right. That. um, And so then like stepping back as a person of faith, it's like, Oh, is that where like, like should should I be investing that much hope kind of in these things? Right. Um, I think the answer becomes quickly apparent but that's one of the things that i've just been reflecting on as i think about like okay what is like what's kind of the object of my hope like on a day like on kind of a day-to-day basis it's felt revelatory to me hmm. well 
is it okay to hope in those things? Can we, are those vehicles of hope? In terms of the science and the economics that bring us toward normalcy? Feels can, like can we hope yeah. can we can we hope in God by hoping in science? Oh wow. Don't just like you just blew up the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't know. Well, I want to hear what Kevin thinks. Yeah, Let, let's too. get the let's do- get somebody. Oh, you guys are on such a roll. About. I thought I'm just kind of watching these wise two dudes uh, just oh, we're wax quickly eloquent. starting to swim out to sea. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. We're starting to wave our hands. Throw us a light. Throw us a light. <laughs> wave our hands. Uh, yeah, such a good uh, series of questions and thoughts. I think I I've I've been kind of brewing on this, and I don't have what I would call any kind of definite answer, yeah, big surprise, no. right? Just to fit the theme yeah, of right. uh, where we've been the last few weeks right. or a few episodes. I have wondered if we can think of it as sort of big H hope and mm. small H hope. Like um, if someone says, what's different, you know, do you hope both in God and science? I would say, well, it's a different kind of hope. Like big H hope is in God. I think of Psalm 20, don't put your trust in princes. Mm. Uh, or chariots, or the strength of people. And I think we've learned again that that's a wise thing to do, to not put our trust in any in anything, an educator, a politician, a scientist, uh, a neighbor, you know. Um, but there is a sense in which uh, science is the child of faith, really. it's uh, yeah. It grows out of an understanding of the universe and an understanding of God as creator and caregiver in his creating and caregiving. So I think about Psalm 19, you know, where it has, some people talk about the two books of God's revelation in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hand, day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. Isn't that interesting? Like knowledge and truth and beauty comes out of creation. So there's that, that somehow is connected to the small h hope, I think. And then it goes into the, the word of God is uh, like, like gold, like sweeter than honeycomb, and then it gets into that. And I think big H hope is the big hope. It's the one we can rely on. Small H hope, we want to be careful not to hope in a certain person or policy or party, but to, uh, on the other hand, trust that God will reveal himself in some of that, Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, and it does connect back, I think, to my drug trial. Do I hope in the drug trial? People said, are you really hopeful? Mm. And I have to say, no. <laughs> I wish, I wish I were. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, a family member actually who's going into uh, UCSF in a couple weeks. She's got multiple myeloma. And so the hope for her is the drugs will keep ahead of how it's working in her body, that the drugs can be just ahead because what she needs isn't out there yet. But the mm-hmm. hope is that it's being developed and she can participate. So there is a kind of a hope or a kind of uh, reliance on people to do their job, but it's not the big hope, I would say. It's yeah. a stab. It's a stab at it. Well, I think that's a really good stab. It. Um, I'm reading Dante's Inferno right now. We were, I was talking with Aaron a little bit about that before, but uh, right now, <laughs> right now, as I walk through hell with Dante, uh, but he's talking about the lower rings, and in the lower rings, um, those who like... Uh, like are involved with usury. So like basically making money on money are lower than those who are violent. And Dante asks Virgil, who's leading him through the rings of hell, like, why is this? And basically the explanation is, well, the making of money on money is something unnatural. It is 
it is, and the analogy they make is God gifts uh, humanity with creation and invites the, invites humanity to steward creation and to build on it. So then everything that man makes is in some sense, uh, the language that's used is sort of the grandchild of God. It's, these are the grandchildren oh, of God. Oh, nice. I like that. But usury, to make money on the fruit of others' labor, is then to abuse sort of the way that things were made to be. So even when I hear you talking about kind of the relationship and science being the child of faith, I, I thought of that uh, this is kind of science is one of the, is part kind of the grandchildren of God's work. It's like, like that. humanity taking what God has gifted and then exploring and uh, deepening. And there is something uh, like hopeful about that. I, I'm like, is there a difference between like hope and optimism in the way that we're kind of wrestling with that? Because like, even when I think about like you talking about this person going in, it's sort of like, we wouldn't, we don't, we won't want to be kind of hopeful <laughs> in right, some sense, right. but like hopeful enough uh, to engage in the process. Yeah. At, right. At exactly. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm like, I think I'm rest, we're all wrestling maybe with like how that, yeah. that kind of like forward almost posture, like I'm, I'm going to move step into this. Right. Can also be held with like, a fuller knowledge of, of reality. Like yeah. I think often we, at least I think often kind of implicit in a definition of hope for me can be like a naivete. Like you don't know, like you're just hopeful. Oh, it's, it's hope as a wishful thinking. Yeah. Kind, kind of, of wishful thing. thinking. It's so easy yeah. for me to slip into using it that way. But so like, I feel like there's kind of all these different dynamics, even to the way we're talking about. Right. It, right. Yeah. I would kind of think about uh, optimism as sort of shallower or maybe the beginning of hope. But hope was has this kind of stubbornness to it, I think, mm. and a sort of a defiant nevertheless. I think of uh, that Old Testament story, that great story about the three children of Israel, sometimes they're called, who are thrown into this fiery furnace, and it's in the book of Daniel. Mm. And um, they say, our God can save us. He may or may not, but he can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But nevertheless, we will fear him. And I think that's that's like biblical hope, right? He can do it. Will he do it? Eh, we don't know. That's kind of up to him. But we're going to trust him no matter what. And I think that's kind of like capital H hope, which is different than an optimism is, boy, sure, hope this works out. Right. Right. Or even so, it will work out. Or it will work, out. work out. Or or it depends on me to work out because it's yeah. my own faith and my own hope that somehow triggers good things happening, which is, a f I think we've... I. I hope we've made some progress in the days of uh, COVID of learning that's not true. Yeah. Right. But it, it's a stubborn belief within some churches. I was thinking that there's something, because I was trying, I think I was trying to wrestle with like what we're talking about. I was trying to think like what like makes up hope. And I was thinking, well, okay, one part is there has to be, like hope has to have content. Like you don't just hope in nothing, right? Like, um, that is maybe sometimes maybe maybe a hope kind of that's like got no content to it can be like a general optimism like the world will just work out like why do you think that <laughs> like 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 you're just at least it's just data. lucky that's or something naive. yeah right um, but like hope has to have content but then it was like but that's not all because like you can imagine someone believing a certain thing is going to happen and that not carrying them or sustaining them and there is like a certain so like there also feels like there's a certain like posture and like as I was thinking about kind of biblical hope, there's a real like kind of 
big picture orientation when we're talking about that capital H hope, because that when we begin to think about the work that God is doing, it almost never is solely about us. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's a bigger, it's a bigger vision. So maybe there's something about it that like the like it's expansive rather mm. than reductive. Like one of the things I was thinking about is, uh, feels like the pandemic really highlighted how hard it is to have hope by yourself <laughs> in isolation. Like I think hope is, and it springs to mind like people on desert islands, you know, like who just eventually <laughs> give up or something and, and, or like are desperately holding on. Like part of the challenge for them is to hold on hope that one day the plane will go overhead and they'll light their big bonfire or whatever. But it's like really hard to have hope by yourself. There is right. something about it that, I mean, many of our conversations are revolved around community, but there's something about it where it's like, it's really helpful to have someone else saying, Hey, remember, yeah. Like, remember this, or like, here's something to hope in. Um, it'll all be over by June. <laughs> yeah. Know. And then August and then yeah. uh, October. I, I wonder, as you were talking, Matt, I thought, I don't know if I've ever thought about this, but does hope need a person? You hope, I mean, you can hope in science, you can hope in medicine, you can hope in a political program, you can hope in an educational theory, you can hope in um, chemistry, um, botany, on, on the list can go. But does hope need a, biblical hope needs a person. So right. you're always like grounded in what God's already done and daring to risk on what he may do again gets kind of this obedience where you're grounded and expectant at the same time. Yeah. So biblical hope needs a person. Mm. The big H hope, I think, does. But yeah. I don't know how that would apply to hope in general. Like you get married and you hope in this person. Yeah. Which is a pretty good bet as I think about you two and your spouses. That's <laughs> We hope that's, well. You did well. You did well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, feels, that feels resonant, Kevin. I even think about conversations around climate change right now uh no one out there regardless of your stance is saying well like we could just hope things will get better right <laughs> right it's like yeah there there's some kind of agency like hope requires some kind of agent and some kind of work almost that will be done right rather than just sort of yeah hoping in happenstance certainly feels like the height of foolishness yeah doesn't it to just like sort of hope like, like the proverbial head in the ground yeah. and uh ignoring I like that idea. Do we are we fortifying each other's hope? Because I think there's something to be said for that too. Like as a church community. Yeah, say more about that, Aaron. Uh, I take just us, thought, take us out of your train. I just thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> I just told you my trains. I think that was off mic. My train story is not a positive one necessarily. <laughs> Yeah, it, it gets there really late, <laughs> and the bathrooms are terrible. That was awful. Well, hope certainly needs people in both senses. Maybe, like, is what I hear Kevin saying is the content of our hope is almost always has to be personal. Yeah, or has to have some kind of agency, some act, something yeah. active. Right. Um, not just like. We don't, we don't really, we don't say we place hope in sort of the inevitability of what's going to happen. Like no one says like, oh, I'm going to die. So I hope in death because that's gonna, definitely going to happen. Or I hope I'm going to pay my taxes next year. It's like <laughs> these things are going to come due. Like it, it just will happen. You chose death and taxes as the certainty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um, but 
But then I, I like what you're saying too, Aaron, is like, yeah, we like hope is also, it's sort of like the, the superpower of a community in some ways Yeah, uh, that we are, can be nourished in hope by one another. I think that's where, I think that's exactly what I was going to say, Matt. So good job. <laughs> good. You nailed it for me, <laughs> but there's a working together aspect of it. I think where our, our hope, I think maybe hope begets hope. And so when you're as a church community, hoping together. Um, yeah, it, it creates something pretty powerful. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think that's going back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm. <laughs> that story is told to give other people uh, a hope in that same line. God may answer as you want. He may answer in a way you'd prefer he didn't, but he's going to answer. And that's our story, and we're sticking to it. And you may mm. believe it at a moment in a different way than I do. I may believe it, at, but when we're together, we can feed off each other's hope. Yeah. Uh, that is kind of what Eucharist is every week. That's probably a good idea. We have it every week, isn't it? Because <laughs> we talk about the new creation that is coming and how Jesus' death and resurrection brings that. And when mm. we come forward, we're not... There's this beautiful arg, our article by your father-in-law that I keep referring back to mm. on Eucharist. And uh, I'm pointing to Aaron in case you can't see. <laughs> and um, he talks about different aspects of Eucharist. And one is this hope or this recreation. And I think every week there's a sense of, of hope in what God has done and what he's doing, right? Yeah. This yep. is uh, Peter Kelder. Just Peter, shout out for Peter Kelder. If you're seeking it well out. Well done, it, Peter. I can't remember nice the name piece. of the article, but look it up in Reformed Worship, Peter Kelder, Eucharist. You'll, you'll find it. We'll see if we can link to it as yeah, well perfect. in the show notes. Yeah, there is. Uh, and part it feels like part of what worship um, we're bound to always come back to worship when the three of us get in a room. Mm -hmm. But like one of the things it's trying to do also is like unite, unite us around a common source of hope. Yeah. Right. Cause like when the community can break down, if you're all hoping in different things, mm. right. Like then you're not mutually, you're not mutually. Or if you're all hoping in small H. Yeah. 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 Right. Cause there's churches and communities that have gathered around and still gather around small H hopes. Right. Yeah. That's well said. Whether it's, yeah. Going back to the thought of a person in particular, dynamic and charismatic leader who's going to lead us to some right. kind of promised land mm -hmm. or whatever the case Which I had be. high hopes Aaron would do that for us, but, you know, <laughs> my hopes have changed. I'm just saying. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, bring it, the worship brings us back each week to the deepest kind of common source right. of our hope. Um, just one of many redirections, right, that yeah. worship, I think, is set out to accomplish. For sure. I was curious kind of as we come not to the end of a conversation about hope, but at least we uh, pause this part, this curious church's conversation about hope. Is there anything that's making you hopeful? Uh, and maybe we mean sort of in the capital H kind of sense. Um, but we can, we can mean that in the sense of God working in the world as well. Right. Uh, so is there anything that makes you hopeful right now? Yeah, one thing comes to my mind, I think of Peter before he denied Jesus three times. Jesus uses the phrase, uh, you are being sifted. Such an interesting phrase, right? Okay. You're being sifted, you're going to be sifted, and you're going to be okay. You're going to be stronger on the other side, but you're going to be sifted. I wonder, I have some hope that the church and individuals who follow Jesus are being sifted. Like some of the chaos and some of the upheaval, I have a couple friends who are pastors, to put it mildly. And what's going on in different congregations is pretty chaotic and kind of restless. 
uh, and there's like a, it's like a bubbling stew and some things come up and they're pretty ugly and yeah. some things um, shouldn't happen. But I wonder if in all that, there's a sifting going on as God is maybe preparing us for what's next. Now, maybe that's overly optimistic. Maybe that's <laughs> overly wishful to use substitutes for hope. But I'm hopeful that God is doing some sifting or letting that happen. And um, yeah, I think about your kids, think about our kids, think about the generations that are to come. And there could be a clearer sense of kind of faith um, and what hope really is. And the person is it's hope attaches to mm. because we've gone through this terrible experience, really. When you say sifting, what do you mean? I mean, you're kind of being shaken, right? You're kind of uh, like another image might be you're being purged. You're putting in a furnace. You're kind yeah. of in the the old biblical image, your dross is being melted away and the gold shines, right, you know, but right. sifting is kind of like the, uh, you're being shaken. And at the end of the day, you're a different person because you've been shaken and you could be a worse person or you could be a better person. It sounds a little cliche, but I think as a whole, through the practices, like that's why I'm, I'm also hopeful about the practices we do in our worship services to shape people into the kind of people they can be by God's grace. So... Nice. I'm hopeful about, um, I think the pandemic has hopefully kind of continued to shine a light on mental health and its significance. And I think that's, that's some reason for kind of hope that there is something about, uh, God's care for his people extends also to the, the ways that our brains work and think and struggle and, Uh, sometimes that includes neurochemistry and sometimes it uh, includes just the need for talking and processing and some of these things. But I feel like there's an increasing awareness of the significance of that because we've had like kind of a collective trauma. <laughs> like yeah. in, in other words, uh, it it can be tempting, I think, when like one group of people is fine and then sort of another group is saying, I'm hurting or need this to just say, well, like, no, you're fine too. But when we all have kind of collectively experienced something, um, there's kind of a solidarity, but also recognition of the impact. I think that's hopeful. I think the other thing that's hopeful and kind of mysterious and wonderful to me is like Jesus remains compelling. We, towards kind of the end of ordinary time in this year, um, we're going through the teachings of Jesus and Mark. Just like every time I read, like, parable of Jesus or something like that, particularly some of his harder teachings. It's just like, you don't sign up for this. Like the rich young ruler, like the, the guy with the, who's achieved the American dream comes up to Jesus and like, he's not, he's not only achieved the American dream, but like he is, uh, like he's very moral. Like he's, I yeah, think in your sermon, upsetting. you said, this is the person you want your son or daughter to like bring home, <laughs> right. To like meet the parents, so to speak. Um, and Jesus just says, you know what, uh, what's left for you to do is to sell everything. And then come follow me. I was like, that's not the kind of thing you sign up for. Right. But yet, like, people continue to be interested in Jesus, continue to be curious about Jesus. Um, he remains compelling. I was listening to a podcast with Dallas Willard's daughter reflecting on kind of her dad's ministry. And um, one of the things they were talking about this was actually with Richard Foster's son and Dallas Willard's daughter talking together about some of their experiences. Um, but they were just reflecting on how Dallas Willard would have said that Jesus uh, was the most relaxed person. Oh. Like 
he was like the not, most non-anxious presence, which I think in this conversation about hope um, makes me think that A, he had a real, he was secure in the source of his hope and kind of his orientation towards that, but also that there's always going to be something compelling about him in a world that's chaotic and frenetic and struggling. Like Jesus is just always going to be compelling. Who knows what that means for our various institutions and the ways they rise and fall, but um, th that will not be, that will not impact Jesus himself. So that's, that's hopeful. That's kind of capital H hopeful to me. I mean, uh, you, you guys have, you guys have great answers. Hot sandwiches. Hot sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the hot sandwich of answers. <laughs> um, I mean, this is really, this has really been, I mean, it's been painful. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've, I confess to some feeling hopeless. Um, it seemed like every, at every turn, we kind of screwed it up as a society. Like instead of coming together, we created huge mm -hmm. rifts instead of, um, that, I, that's kind of my main one. Like, um, so I, uh, I'm grateful for you guys sharing your hopes. So that's going to help me out a little bit. Um, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see, um, kind of on the other end of things, although it's, I've, we know by now not to say when the pandemic is over <laughs> because it's likely never will be, but what will come out in terms of, um, art and things mm. that people mm. create, um, and some new, like potentially new, if not Psalms, uh, Psalm like, um, laments and cries, um, so I, I wonder if the artistic community and specifically uh, folks who write for the church will, we might come out with sort of a new bundle of resources in terms of how to, um, how to have hope and, and what it's like to feel hopeless. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's excellent. Uh, should we close with, I'd like to close with one takeaway. Oh, great. Yeah. Just uh, because I love, um, this is going to stick with me, was Kevin's idea of hope having stubbornness. Mm. Um, and I think uh, in terms of, this is something we've been talking about a lot for a long time, but the idea of rhythm in the faith, the idea of repetition in the faith, the idea of leaning on um, ancient words to kind of help us put words to things we don't know how to word. Mm. Um I like the idea of stubbornness being part of being like a spiritual discipline. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, I'll just chime in with another kind of Kevin insight. Oh boy. We should probably strip out you and me and just leave <laughs> Kevin until the very end. Uh, but the idea of uh, hope needing a person, I think mm. there's something in there that is like, yeah, would bear fruit. Like meditating on that is going to, is going to be fruitful for me. Um, and obviously the ways that that points to Jesus, but also the ways that that points to his church and one another, I think is also kind of helpful for me. Hmm. It's a good takeaway. Well, let me quote you from yesterday, Matt. Matt made this great observation about a friend of ours, a mutual friend who has both experienced mental um, kind of discouragement. And I wouldn't say trauma, it's probably not quite that strong, but uh, disease, we could say, 
but still finds uh, themselves a attracted to happy, what I would call happy clappy services, as a friend of mine says, three fast, two slow, one with a message, one to go, and hasn't yet connected how what she needs for her emotional health is in the resources of the church, but maybe not where she's looking yet. Hmm. Um, so not trying to put down churches that have enthusiasm, but this uh, tests our enthusiasm with uh, the Psalms, really, hmm. as a way to say, hey, there's resources there, um, and we didn't look at them, just humble pie here. We didn't look mm. at the Psalms very much for about 10 years. <laughs> so maybe it takes people 10 years, but just the hope that some some folks who are experiencing, so, many who are experiencing mental disequilibrium dis uh, would turn to the resources of the church in the deepest, oldest sense. Mm. Good place for yeah. his wisdom, yes. Yeah. Well, friends, neighbors, listeners, Family. You've lent us your ears. <laughs> Countrymen. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us for this conversation. We hope that you turn off this podcast, not yet, in just a minute, but when you do, that you will have turn it off and you will have hope. That's, don't that's we, high hopes. Don't we hope podcast. that for them, Matt? High hopes. <laughs> a big amen at the end. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Well, it's always a treat to be with the voice. two of you and all your friends. And all our friends. All right. Well, friends, you heard it. Until next time, I'm Aaron. I'm Matthew. I'm Kevin. Thanks for being curious with us. <laughs> <laughs>